Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to be looking at the NBA trade deadline. We are two days away. It is Tuesday. And we are going to be looking at the latest rumors from the rumor mill. And basically seeing what's out there and what is um, coming up. So we're going to start with a trade, which was not a big one. But I feel like uh, every trade has a purpose, as uh, does this one. So the Clippers traded Mofunduk Bengale, former first-round pick. And they traded a second-round pick to the Kings for cap uh, relief. Um, they traded uh, for some cash and two second-round picks, which are heavily protected. So those picks probably won't convey, so it's really just cash for a second-round pick in Kabengale. For the Clippers, they're opening up a roster spot to potentially go after a free agent. Obviously, wings and guards are what's this league's um, motive right now. They already have um, Zubac and Ibaka, so they don't need a center like Kabengale sitting there. Obviously, for the Kings, they take a flyer on a guy who could be a former you know, first-round pick who could be good, maybe, you know, they have a bunch of guys in there that could be on the move. Harrison Barnes, maybe Marvin Bagley, maybe Buddy Heald. And um, while Buddy Heald's a guard, um, Harrison Barnes plays power forward sometimes. They have Bagley who plays the forward and center. Kamengale could fill in, you know. Um, Belginka could be on the move. So there's a lot of guys who could move. This could be something as uh, an assurance at the big man if one of those guys gets um, traded. So he's probably not the greatest player and probably won't do as uh, anything like um, he's done in the Clippers. Um, he'll be probably the same, uh, maybe a little bit better, just because he's getting more minutes. But at this point, um, it was more Clippers getting rid of a body. So if they can get someone in the buyout market, it works. They now have a little bit of room to do that. Um, and so, you know, they're going to probably look for something that fits their team a little bit better. You know, they've been looking for a point guard. Maybe the right point guard comes at the buyout. So this is a small move, but I can expect a lot of teams at the top of the West who don't really want to make big sacrifices might trade away a player at the bottom half of their rotation just to potentially open up a spot for someone to come in the buyout market. You know, if you go to Utah, they're great. But if there's a guy available in the buyout market who's going to elevate them a lot more than the... 14th string you know backup center who doesn't get minutes then yeah they'll make a trade and you know get rid of someone who doesn't really matter if they're going to bring in someone um, that helps right the Lakers could do this they could trade away someone at the bottom end of their rotation if it means opening up a roster spot for Andre Drummond who seems like if he's bought out the Lakers are the number one spot and it could be where he goes so at this point that's the deal and that's uh, that situation. Then we have, uh, we're going to look at some Aaron Gordon news. So Aaron Gordon has come out and said he wants to leave Orlando. He wants to get traded and get traded to a very good team. He doesn't want to be traded to a rebuilding team. He wants to be traded to a playoff contender. And the first team we've gotten, um, no surprises, Boston. Boston has apparently offered two first-round picks. This is according to Sam Amick. Uh, Sam Amick has also said that they're looking at potentially adding Evan Fournier into a deal and potentially trading Marcus Smart away, which I don't know if they're going to do that. I think Aaron Gordon for two first-round picks is a good deal. Um, you can add in any of the young guys, Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, whoever, if you need to make that work. But according to the trade uh, exception that they have, they can't trade, multiple, trade for multiple players. It would only have to be Gordon or it would have to be Fournier. Um, and so at this point... 
I easily see them kind of um, looking at this hard because he has said he wants to leave. And so it makes the most sense to try and, you know, get the right deal done. So maybe uh, this actually happens. Maybe they kind of just are smoking guns. Um, and so I was reading an article uh, from Hartwood Houdini, who looked at two trade packages for C's to land Aaron Gordon. And so here is um, what they came up with, which was number one. Aaron Gordon to the Celtics for the first round pick in 2022, first round pick in 2024, second round pick from OKC, second round pick of their own in 2022, and a 2025 second round pick from Memphis, which you're basically just trading away the whole TPE. And, you know, you're adding in um, a guy in Aaron Gordon who fits much better. Um, and this is a pretty good move, a pretty solid move, and I'm actually a fan of this one. Then we have this next move. Uh, the second one they come up with, which if you're looking at it, it's not the worst out there. Aaron Gordon goes to the Celtics for Aaron Nesmith, Romeo Langford, Daniel Tice, Jeff Teague. A 2023 first round pick and then three second round picks, one of which from OKC, one from Charlotte, and one from Memphis. Now, the OKC and Charlotte picks probably won't convey, but um, this is still a pretty uh, solid uh, trade here if they're looking to keep more first round picks. I think it's all dependent on the situation. If they feel like they want to get rid of some of these players and add in Gordon, great. If they want to just trade picks, then deal number one makes a little bit more sense. And I don't think they're going to trade for Fournier because they'd have to make that work. Um, I think Aaron Gordon's probably just uh, what they're going to do at this point and then um, see what they can uh, do with the rest of their trade exception. Um, because he does fit nicely under the $20 million where their cap is, and that's a good situation right there. I don't think Marcus Smart is going to get traded at all. Now, speaking of Marcus Smart, there were um, I saw an article that um, came from the athletic Shams uh, Sharania that said the Hawks have shown interest in both Marcus Smart and Lonzo Ball. Now, um, at this point, um, the Celtics have pursued John Collins, um, and um, it was talking about um, John Collins, Bogdanovich, Marcus Smart, and what's going on there. And so, at this point, I don't think Marcus Smart's getting traded. This is all smoking guns. I think the Celtics would trade Smart if they got Collins, and it meant that they were in a better position. Even though Marcus Smart is the heart of the Celtics, if they get Collins and he's much better fitting and plays the position they need and is getting them closer to a championship, then I'm okay with getting rid of Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's a ball-dominant, uh, you know, defensive-minded uh, shooting guard who plays point guard sometimes, and I like having him. But if it makes sense, then you do what you need to do. So there is um, also from Hardwood Houdini an article looking at two potential Marcus uh, Smart Atlanta Hawks traits, which is... Um, the first one here is John Collins and Bogdanovich for Marcus Smart, Tristan Thompson, a first-round pick from the Celtics in 21, and a second-round pick in 22 from Boston. So this one seems interesting because the Celtics are getting two guys that really help. I think Bogdanovich is not the best defensively, but can fill in the Marcus Smart role off the bench. You're basically swapping Smart out of the starting lineup for John Collins, and my assumption would be Kemba... Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, John Collins, and Robert Williams as your starting five, which 
besides Kemba, they're all young guys under 25. So that's a good group. Um, I think the Hawks, this one works, but it's not as good, in my opinion, as the other trade that they're going to throw out there, which is the Celtics get John Collins, Bogdanovich, and Terrence Ross from Orlando. The Hawks get Nikola Vucevic and Marcus Smart. And the Orlando Magic get Clint Capella, Romeo Langford, Aaron Nesmith, a 2021 Boston Celtics first-round pick, um, and then a first-round pick from the Hawks, um, a 2023 Atlanta Hawks first-round pick, and a 2021 Miami Heat second-round pick, which I think comes from Atlanta. So this one works a little bit better for the Celtics because um, they're still giving up Marcus Smart, but they're adding in Terrence Ross um, off the bench. They're giving up Romeo Langford, Nesmith, but Ross fills in that role. And they get Bogdanovich, who fills in that role as well. So um, that one's not as bad. I think they would rather want to get rid of Tristan Thompson, so the first one might make a little bit more sense for them. I think the Hawks like this second one a little bit better because while they're not just dealing with the Celtics, they're adding in Vucevic, who is available according to Orlando. So they get a center who is much better if they're going for the playoff push. You know, now you have um, Hunter and Vucevic as your starting power forward and center, which is pretty good. And then you have Marcus Smart as your shooting guard. And then you go to Orlando, who comes into this basically trading away their best player and their best role player for a young center, a couple of young wings, which work great, um, a bunch of first-round picks and a second-round pick. So I think this is um, very good for sure. I think Orlando... They do this because of the future picks. Um, Atlanta does this because they're adding an all-star big man and a former defensive player of the year, and the Celtics do this. Um, they get Collins and Bogdanovich and a very good uh, three-point shooter off the bench in Terrence Ross. So if the, if the Celtics are going for um, a push, this is where they go. This move makes sense for them. Who knows? So... We are going to be looking at the next uh, bit of information here, which is on Kyle Lowry. So, apparently Kyle Lowry is still available, um, or at least teams are going and uh, fighting to acquire him. Sixers are the leaders in this Lowry situation, obviously. Um, that would be great for them because he's a great point guard and, more importantly, a local uh, Philly kid. So, at this point, um, the Sixers um, are still being linked with him. People keep uh, saying that he's available. The um, Toronto Raptors haven't given us any indication that he is. And so who knows what's going on. I think Masai Ujiri is someone who isn't afraid to make the right moves. And at this point, they did it with um, DeMar DeRozan, who is basically Toronto's adopted son. And they could do it again with Kyle Lowry. I think they you know, will make the best move uh, going forward. So I think that's kind of where they sit. Um, I think he's probably not going to get traded just because he has no reason to get traded, and I think they're going to keep him around, hoping that he'll re-sign for a much better contract. Then we have rumors of the Mavericks and the Cavaliers talking about a Andre Drummond deal, which the Mavericks, along with the Lakers and Brooklyn, are expected to pursue him in the buyout market, which we don't know if this is going to take place. The problem is... I see with any team involving themselves in an Andre Drummond trade talks is that they're not going to give up a lot because, you know, for the Mavericks, they could just wait until he gets bought out and the Lakers and Nets, the same thing. And so, you know, I think there are a lot of rumors about the Lakers being the front runners for Drummond if he's bought out. 
maybe Dallas does make a trade just because they want to get ahead of everyone. Maybe, you know, Mark Cuban knows that the Lakers are the front runners or Brooklyn's the spot and he wants to make a trade even though he might not need to. He just wants to do it so if Andre Drummond were to get bought out, he knows the chances of him going to Dallas are a lot lower. So make a trade and make it happen. Um, the thing that I see as a potential hiccup for the Cavaliers in any sort of deal with Dallas is Dallas is going to throw in James Johnson, but they're going to have to throw in Dwight Powell. I think Dwight Powell, James Johnson in a second gets this deal done, but do they want to take on Dwight Powell's $11 million contract? Yes, you can trade him in the offseason. Yes, you know, there are other moves down the line you can make to get rid of him. But do they want to take that on? Do they want to trade him and get rid of, you know, $11 million in cap space that they would have had if they just let Andre Drummond walk? So I think with many of these deals, they're going to have to look at the situation and say, okay, um, yeah, maybe he'll get... Um, you know, traded or maybe he'll just go into the buyout market and they'll hope that, you know, the open cap space next year, they can use it for um, just whatever they need to. So at this point, I think he's probably going to get bought out because no team that actually has interest will trade for him because they hope he could sign with the team in the buyout market. Next, we have um, Norman Powell. So Norman Powell is someone who could get uh, traded if they're looking to get future assets and reload this sort of core of Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and Chris Butcher. Um, and obviously, Kyle Lowry has a lot of suitors. Um, Norm Powell could have some suitors as well. I think he's been playing great. He's someone who has a lot of talent. And for me, there are a lot of teams that could have interest. There's a podcast called Locked On Celtics and uh, last week they did an episode and it was with Locked On Toronto where they looked at a potential deal for Norman Powell going to Boston, which I think they settled on um, something involving um, Tristan Thompson um, and Aaron Nesmith and some draft picks um, going to uh, Toronto for Norman Powell as their mock trade that they came up with. Um, I think any number of playoff teams could go after Norman Powell. I think Philly could trade uh, Danny Green and some assets for that if, you know, they're trading Tyrese Maxey, Danny Green, and a first-round pick for Dorm Powell. Would that sweeten the deal? Potentially. Could Miami trade away Kendrick Nunn and a first-round pick plus um, Andre Iguodala? That could sweeten the pot. Maybe the uh, Gold State Warriors trade Kelly Oubre for Norm Powell and do something like that. And Wiggins plays the small forward, Powell plays the shooting guard, they could do that, so I think Norm Powell has a, a market, again, I don't know if he, like Lowry, is being shopped, but there is the chance that that takes place, so we'll see what happens with um, Norm Powell, um, and uh, what's the situation there, so um, basically, at this point, um, you know, there's a lot of rumors, there's a lot of stuff going on, and, you know, I think we're trying to figure out, um, you know, all the rumors and um, what could uh, take place. So, now moving on to another article which looks at Bleacher Report article examining 2021 deadline reports for the Miami Heat. So, he looks at just Miami and the rumors, so first and foremost, they look at Kyle Lowry. His preferred destination is Miami, according to uh, Kevin O'Connor. 
um, and Shams Sharania has said that they are in the you know top two or three teams interested. Um, one of the reasons why is because he has a great friendship with Jimmy Butler, which I think um, would really help the situation, and it could be a good move. Um, I don't know if he's going to go there. I think Philadelphia has more to offer, unless Tyler Hero's involved, which I don't think he is. So I think they're number two behind um, you know, Philly, but I don't know if he's even available. So that's, uh, that's the case there. Next, they look at could Iguodala trade be on the horizon? Um, and basically, they look at, um, you know, what's the situation there? I guess uh, ESPN Zach Lowe said it's possible that the Heat would be open to trading the 37-year-old. Um, I don't think he's going to get traded just because at this point, you know, he's a good role player and a good playoff role player. So, you know, I think he's going to stay put for now, but who knows? Then they look at um, this third uh, title headline, which is the Heat have shown interest in injured Spencer Dinwiddle. I'm so surprised by this. You know, Miami, uh, Detroit, and Toronto have all showed interest in someone who is great, but he's got a torn ACL and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Why would anyone want to trade for someone who, in theory, won't play for your team for this year? Granted, they get another year out of him. And for a lot of teams, okay, he's a good contract. Let's trade for him. And that saves uh, saves us some money. But who knows? I think um, there is um, a chance that he gets moved. But I just don't think teams are really going to do that. So that's just my opinion at this. Um, so, yeah. That's just um, my opinion. I don't think he'll get traded despite teams having interest. Then we're going to switch gears to a fan-sided article that I was looking at, which is uh, three big deals that would shake deadline day, which um, we'll see if they're uh, possible or not. So first one is Toronto gets Josh Richardson, James Johnson, and Josh Green, and the Mavericks get Kyle Lowry. So, in theory, this trade's not the worst one out there. Uh, I think Josh Green and Josh Richardson would help on the wing. I think you're giving up a lot of wing help where maybe you take out someone like Josh Green or Richardson and you put in someone like Jalen Brunson um, and some draft picks. But I think at this point, it's a good framework. Again, I don't know if Kyle Lowry is going to get traded anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Then we have um, number two on our list here, which is um, Victor Oladipo getting traded for Gary Harris in a 2021 first round pick. Now, I think Victor Oladipo's value in terms of what the Rockets are looking for is higher than it actually is because the fact that he's a one-year contract, he's had his injury history, and he's kind of said he wants to go to Miami. Those are all things that kind of go against any team trading for uh, a player like Oladipo. At this point, this is a good deal because while you don't get the cap space flexibility, you get a first-round pick, unprotected. So, yes, the Rockets are not getting a young player they're looking for. Gary Harris is around, I think he's around 26, 27, so he's still in his prime or getting into the prime. Uh, this is a good move for Denver for sure. Um, this could happen because I do think the Rockets are overvaluing Oladipo, and I think eventually... His value will go down. I think teams will be like, look, we like this guy. He's great, but he's a one-year contract, and we don't want to risk losing him and trading away all these assets. The Rockets are saying, okay, he's a former All-Star. He's a good player. 
I don't care that he's on a one-year contract. I want all this stuff. So I think the Rockets are going to have to, you know, realize that, hey, he's going to leave anyways, get the best offer and go. And I think by deadline day, he's going to get traded because they will be looking for these crazy godfather offers for Victor Oladipo. And eventually, the right offer will come up, which is a good one. It's not overpaying. It's not underpaying. And they'll be like, okay, we're going to just do this because we know he's going to leave anyways. Then we have trade number three, which involves um, Aaron Gordon, which we already talked about, and the Celtics. Uh, and so they basically put Aaron Gordon for Tristan Thompson, Romeo Langford, and Aaron Nesmith. So at this point, this could work. And I think for the Celtics, they would take this all day and twice on Sundays. Um, I think for the Celtics, I'd take out Nesmith and put in Grant Williams just because basically you're swapping two wings for a forward. I would take Nesmith out and, you know, he still could have value. And then you put in Grant Williams, who could be basically the bench um, player for Orlando at the power forward behind Jonathan Isaac. So you might have to add in picks, and I think Orlando is going to expect at least the first, you know. But if the Celtics offer two first-round picks for Aaron Gordon straight up, I think Orlando should take it and go to the bank, right? If you want to throw in Langford, that's fine. I think the Celtics are doing this to add in Tristan Thompson to say, hey, we really don't like Tristan Thompson. He hasn't played well. And um, I think, you know, that one could work in theory, but I don't know um, what they're going to be looking for. So, yeah, uh, that's the situation. Then the final um, article we're going to be looking at comes from uh, SB Nation, which is looking at the Lakers. Uh, it's basically like looking at what will they do? What will the Lakers do at the NBA trade deadline? Um, so at this point, um, I'm going to kind of look at what they say and then kind of go from my own, uh, thoughts. So here is the deal. You have two players who are untouchable and also injured in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think with these injuries, there is a chance that these players will slide down, um, this team will slide down in the rankings. They won't be a two or three seed. They might be a five seed because they don't have their two best players. I think at this point, you know, there's a lot of guys who probably won't get traded. LeBron James, Anthony Davis for sure. But Montrezl Harrell, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, or Talon Horton Tucker, all three of those guys are um, clutch sports clients. So they're LeBron James clutch sports clients um, in that group. So they probably won't get moved. So the um, Lakers are hard-capped, um, so they cannot exceed $138 million, um, under any circumstances, which means um, they basically have about $1.6 million um, that they can trade in and out. So they could trade someone who makes $4 million and receive someone who makes $5.6 million. Um, so there is um, that one. So they can um, sign more players because they do have 13 players on the roster, meaning that if there is um, somebody available or two players available, they could do a two-for-one swap. In terms of their draft picks, um, they have um, pretty much all of their picks tied up except for 2027, um, and that's as far out as they can go. I don't know if they'll trade that pick, but you know I think there's that chance. And then there's a bunch of second-round picks that they can, um, you know, they can make. So, basically, um, at this point, 
Um, my opinion is they're going to stay pat. I think they're going to try and go after the buyout market, sign one or two buyout players, hope that AD and LeBron come back healthy, and then at the playoffs, go out there with this new group of healthy LeBron, healthy AD, and whoever is your buyout signings, whether that's Andre Drummond, whether that's somebody else who we don't even know. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of teams will be fighting in the buyout market for players, and I think the Lakers will be doing that as well. I don't think they will make any trades. I think the Lakers will stick with what they got in that department.